This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcast. This is your one-stop shop for college basketball and football analysis. But, Brandon, what, what, what season are we in? What season are we in right now? Football. We're in football, football season. season. Going all through football season. Basketball, I know, has started. We'll get to that after we get through all of this football. We got a jam-packed show for you guys. However, before I get into that, got to get into the housekeeping before the podcast. First off, if you have not already, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. That link in the description if you want to help out the channel more so then watching our videos, liking our videos, sharing our videos, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast for 10 bucks. You can be on a podcast with us each and every month talking about whatever it is in the world of college sports you would like to talk about. And then second item is go on to iTunes and give us that sweet five-star rating that we also want. We'd be very appreciative if you can go out and give us that five-star rating. It would be it would mean the world to us. Primetime podcast, the onside kick, the fast break, and the Rick and Johnny podcast. But Brandon, like I said, another jam-packed show is last week was kind of a is kind of a stinker week. If you didn't watch any of the games, I don't think you missed anything. Mercer lost, and man, I wish I didn't bet anything on them. Also, the Citadel lost to Clemson. Yet again, wish I didn't bet anything on them. You did? I did not. That those are those are jokes, Brandon. I I did not make that big of a faux pas in our picks last week. But just to me, very uneventful games. Eventful early, not eventful late. And if you didn't watch last week, you didn't miss watch. However, this week, loaded with games that we're going to be discussing in our picks. We're going to look at the biggest one in our middle segment. We're going to look at Chip Kelly, though. Then we'll look at the Iron Bowl, and then we'll end everything before our picks looking at Baker Mayfield and his NFL draft stock. But, Brandon, I want to get this right off right away. Chip Kelly was going to be met with Florida, apparently. Everything looked to be leading to him being the Florida head coach. However, yesterday on Sunday, UCLA said, whoa, 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 not too fast. Jim Moore is out of here. Hey, Chip, you, you, you want to come over here? Come here. Come here. Come here, good guy. Come here. Come back to the Pac-12. They are now trying to bring Chip Kelly in. So I'm going to be very clear with this. Where do you think Chip Kelly should sign? The Florida Gators, the UCLA Bruins. What do you think? Well, if you're posing that question and you're making me give an answer, in terms of one or the other, mm-hmm. I would say that he should sign at Florida. Okay. And the reason that I say that is because Florida is in such need of an offense, mm-hmm. some sort of offense, other than the bad offense that they've had pretty much the entire season. They've had a defense that's been okay, uh, really bad at point at times and and really good at others, but an offense that's just it, it hasn't gotten going. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gotten going all season long. And what does Chip Kelly bring? He brings with him one of the things he brings with him is an offense, an offensive scheme that 
has worked and that's worked really, really well. And for any team that needs a kick in the pants for offense, Chip Kelly, I think, would be, could be your guy. Now, having said that, Chip Kelly is very good offensively. He's very offensive-minded. I think I've said in the past that Chip Kelly, I think, would be better suited as just an offensive coordinator. In college football. In college football. Or possibly the NFL. Broncos need one now. Mm -hmm. But I think right now, if you were to go to Florida, I think you would be able to make some changes that happen right away. Mm -hmm. But also one of the possible problems of him going to Florida if he did would be the fact that he's a guy who likes total complete control yes and that's believed to be one of the reasons why it didn't work out for Jim McElwain Mm -hmm. so that could be a possible issue however is Florida in a spot right now where they're so desperately trying to get someone who will come in make a splash and make things happen right mm-hmm. away? And are they then willing to turn over more things to the the head coach that comes in, whoever it may be? Are they, are they more willing to give up more to Chip Kelly and say, okay, you can run this, run this, run this, you have control of this, you have control of this, it's your decision here, your decision there. Mm-hmm. Are they willing to do that? If they're willing to do that, I think that could be a good marriage between Florida and Chip Kelly. However... You know, Chip Kelly brings some baggage with him. You know, I think we know what happened with Chip Kelly towards the end of his tenure at Oregon. We know how he how he was in the NFL. We've seen how the guy can be. Mm -hmm. But I think, again, you pose the question of UCLA or Florida Mm -hmm. and my choice would be Florida because I think that he can make more of an instant impact at Florida with what they with what they've got or don't have, mm-hmm. and I don't wouldn't necessarily see that as much with UCLA, even though UCLA is a Pac-12 school. Well, and the thing is, first off, with this whole situation between Chip Kelly and just choosing between UCLA and Florida, there's a lot of things spiral, spiraling around this. First off. You've got Florida, which you mentioned needs a kick in the pants offensively. I was watching um, a little bit of college game day today um, at work, and I can't remember who said it, but he said, you know what, this Florida organization, or I shouldn't say organization, Florida school, they're not a fan base that wants to win the traditional way. They're not a team that wants to go out there and win 17-14. to 14. Yeah, we won with defense. They want to go out there and, They want to blow the door. They want a Big 12 it, basically. They want to score 40-plus points, blow the team out, and have a big offensive performance. If you want that, Chip Kelly's your guy. The thing for Chip Kelly that I think about, and this is where it comes into, when you look at UCLA, this is a conference that you know. You've played all of these teams at some point in your career at Oregon. I know you'd be in the South, not the North. So you'd be playing more of those teams you saw every few times every other year. But it's a conference you know. It's a region of, and I know that recruiting is becoming a little bit more um, national at this point. It's not just regional like it used to be way, 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 way back in the day. But it's a region you know, and you know how to get the recruits. You've already recruited for a West Coast team. 
it's a comfort zone at that point. The thing with Florida, and the only thing that worries me about Chip Kelly going to Florida is could Chip Kelly compete with the SEC? Can he win in an SEC conference? Because the first thing I thought about is for the SEC, not just Florida, this is a whole conference now, they want Chip Kelly. If you are an SEC fan, you should be praying that Chip Kelly comes to your conference. And the reason being, one of the big kind of complaints that people have had, and Colin Cowherd's one of the big ones that I've heard say this, and he's not completely wrong, is there's a lack of quality coaches in the SEC. It's Nick Saban at the top, and then it's like Kevin Sumlin, who we've talked a lot about. I I, I want to jump in. I want to jump in, and I want to disagree with that because I wouldn't say that there's a a a lesser you know lesser quality coaches, but no one that can compete with him. No, but hold on now. But that doesn't mean that they're not a quality coach. Mm -hmm. They can they could still compete with. Let's let's throw out some of the other big ones. You know, Georgia was in the top top four, the number one team for a while. You know, there's there's other schools out there that can compete with it with a Georgia. I mean, you saw that. um, Auburn was able to compete with uh, with a Georgia, so I think that you have to put Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn has been one of those guys who's been kind of on and off the mm-hmm. hot seat, but he's also been revered as a very good head coach in college football. I think Dan Mullen is looked at as a very good head coach in college football. Kirby Smart's a great head coach in college football. So I don't think that you can say that you have lesser quality coaches. You have really good quality coaches, but Nick Saban is on a level by himself. So which, as you've said before in the past, put Nick Saban, put Alabama off to the side. Mm -hmm. Let's not even talk about them. Let's talk about everybody else. And then if you're doing that, you have really good quality coaches. So I think that that's you misspoke in a sense of saying that there's lesser quality coaches. They're all very good. So when I hear lesser quality, I think that at Nick Saban's great and the rest of these guys are crap. Well, and what I was going to say, if you were going to let me finish. But I did of course. From what I've said, and I've said Colin Cowherd was the one, lesser quality was what they were coming with. For me, how I see it, Nick Saban's at the top. I know there's been guys like Les Miles has been able to defeat Nick Saban. You've got guys like Kevin Sumlin defeated him when he had... Johnny Manziel, Nick Saban's not completely perfect, but Nick Saban has been consistently a great head coach for the SEC to where everyone says Nick Saban's at the top, and it's like everyone clawing up that mountaintop but not being able to get there. The thing that I would look at is for the SEC, if you're on that side, you want Chip Kelly to come because that's a qual- that's a name that you can say, I can see it already. Chip Chip Kelly coming in, making Florida an offensive powerhouse. Years to come, you've got Alabama and Florida, now two powerhouses in the SEC. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. Time would tell. But on the other side with Chip Kelly, does he see that? Does Chip Kelly see, I can go into Florida, I can be successful, just as successful in the SEC, or is he going to see, you know what, I'm going to go to where I'm comfortable because I know I can be successful in the Pac-12. If I'm an SEC, if I'm even a college football fan, you might be rooting for him to more go over to Florida because that would just make the best conference in college football even stronger. Yeah, I mean, they would be, they would be very strong. 
and I I I want to just also I don't want people to think that oh he's going back on what he said at the beginning mm-hmm. but you you have you definitely have positives that when you go with Chip Kelly and another one of them is being that he would be able to recruit from a a state that has a, a lot of talent from a region that has a lot of talent uh, that's you know that's another thing. Well, and, most and, of the and, top recruits come from that southeast. Well, exactly, and mm-hmm. that's and that's why you know he's a, he's a guy who who has, I th- I think if you look at it, has revolutionized you know what offense is in college football, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have tried to, you know, go off of that type of method, whether they're doing exactly what he did or something similar to it. Mm-hmm. He's been able to do that for college football. Which is a great thing. So he's definitely got those positives there, but I, I don't want to downplay the fact that he wants complete control. Wherever he's at, he's going to want complete control of the offense of, of the and of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wants to be the decision maker when it comes to everything, and that's just not necessarily what teams are always willing to do. You know, is Florida willing to give him that complete control? I, I I don't know about that. Is UCLA willing to give him that complete control? I don't know about that either. If you want him, you're probably going to have to do that. But yeah. at the same time, is that then going to be... And you're never going to get the, the, the perfect marriage. I mean, even in real life, you don't have the perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, you have arguments and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I assume. I mean, I'm not, not married. But I, 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 I still think, though... That you want to get something really, really close. And for Florida, the way that they've been the last couple of years, the way that they've kind of gone through a couple of head coaches that have been, you know, they've been good, they've been okay, but they haven't gone to where they've wanted to be. And that's certainly the playoffs, and that's then certainly competing for a national championship. They want the next guy to be the guy that they're going to be with for five years, seven years, ten years down the line, where they're competitive each and every season, where they're getting to the playoffs, where they're like an Alabama, like a Clemson, that is consistently getting to the playoffs every year. And it's just a matter of are they one or are they four? You know, so I think that that's got to be one of the really hard decisions at the end of the day. Is Chip Kelly the guy to do that? And if you don't think he is, but you think that he'll still bring, you know, for the first year, for the first year to maybe two and a half years, Mm -hmm. he can still bring that Chip Kelly flash because, oh, he did this. You know, of what he did with Oregon. You know, this is what he did. You know, he may not be doing it right now. It's it's not working here. But, man, he did it. So we've got the potential here. Mm-hmm. I think that that's also too. But, you know, whenever you hire, you're going a lot of times off of potential or what they've done in the past. Not what they've done for you. Because what worked at Oregon may very well not work at Florida. And it may very well still not work in another Pac-12 school Mm -hmm. in UCLA. You just have to go with the hope that he'll continue to bring that success that he had at Oregon over to your school, which is where it gets really interesting because you could say that with anybody then. You could say that with any of the other guys. You know, Dan Mullen, Kevin Sumlin's name has been been thrown out there. So it really comes down to who you truly believe is the best fit for your squad, for your program. And if that's Chip Kelly, you go with them and you you try and you know work it, work it the best you possibly can. But if you really don't then feel like it's going to be Chip Kelly, mm-hmm. even though you know that your fans, your fan base may really want him, may want him because that offensive mind and everything like that, you 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 just you can't give in. Uh, for Florida, this is really really something that they have to take a long look and not rush. I think we just talked about this a little bit last week. Don't rush into it. 
don't rush into a into a hiring You're just saying because you want from Chip Kelly or from the school from the school. Okay. This is all from this is all from the school. Mm-hmm. Is don't rush into it too much right away because you're going to see at when the season ends, mm-hmm. you're going to see some other guys that leave their programs, are fired from their programs for whatever reason it may be. Are they a better fit? Are they a better fit for your team? It doesn't necessarily have to be Chip Kelly because he's not going to be the only guy who's available right now, and clearly he is not. Well, it depends but, on how much you want him. That's what it comes down to. Because well, the, exactly. But that's that's where I'm also coming yeah. from saying, as a school, you have to be looking at is he the best fit or is he just the really fun toy right now? But you know, Christmas is coming. There's going to be other toys under the tree. Well, and I mean, that's why for me, I feel of the two schools. If Chip Kelly were to say no to one of the two schools, I feel like Florida would be better off with a no than UCLA. Because UCLA, it comes down to, I'll be completely honest, the only two reasons that they fired Jim Mora was, number one, they lost to USC. If I believe if they beat USC, they don't make the firing yesterday. Because they go into their office, they being the athletic um, director and the board of directors, they go into their meeting and go, fuck, how do we get rid of him? How do we, like, what reason do we use? He just beat USC. He beat our biggest rival. Because he lost to the rival, it was easy to distance themselves and cut him loose. Second reason being, oh, shoot, Chip Kelly's in serious talks with Florida. We got to jump on this. Boom, Jim Mora's gone. Our job is open. So that they can try to reel Chip Kelly into that job. Reason why I say Florida would be fine if Chip Kelly said no, there is, and I know this is a little bit, some people may think of this as small potatoes, but you've got a coach right now doing great things offensively with a team that was, what, defeated last year, didn't have a single win. Now they don't have a single loss. And that's Frost at Central Florida. Like, I feel like if Florida doesn't get Chip Kelly, what I would do is, okay, that's fine. We're going to move our attention to Frost when the season is over. And he'll be able to hopefully, because let's be honest, Central Florida is great. But if Frost has an opportunity to go to a Power 5 school, he's going to go to a Power 5 school. Let's be completely clear about that. Well, you know, and my my whole thing with with that all the time, Ricky, and and I think that it was even part of part of me with Tom Herman, mm-hmm. you know, when he was with with Houston. And it's not to say that these guys who are in non Power Fives can't coach in um, can't coach in, in the Power Five because that's I mean that's ridiculous to say, but it's some, just the prestige some, of the job. It, it is, but I think also sometimes people get really excited when oh wow University of Central Florida they're 10 and 0. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a good team. That's that must be a really good head coach. And I don't want to take any way anything away from the team or the head coach, but we're you know, you're you're playing Maine and Cincinnati and you know, mm-hmm. SMU and, and and teams like that. You're not you're not playing you know, Virginia Tech or Clemson or Georgia or I'll even say, you know, USC, one of the better teams in the in the Pac-12 or Oklahoma. You're not playing those teams. 
you're not playing the teams with stronger competition. What do you do when you play teams with stronger competition? You know, Tom Herman, he's come in and and, and Texas has had some some really good games this season. But they still have have had a mediocre season. But no one thought, I don't believe, uh, realistically thought, that he was going to come in and everything was going to be perfect in, you know, in, 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 in year one. 12. And he even said that. He said that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We've got a long ways to go. We clearly saw that. He said that after week one against Maryland where they had a really tough loss. He said it's not happening in, in week one. He said it's not happening in year one. But I think, though, too, is that you get real excited about these guys who've done super, super well with a non-Power non 5 team going against lesser competition. Mm-hmm. What do they do when they go against this really good competition? I mean, you would like to expect and hope that they would still continue to do well against the the higher competition. You know, your, your uh, big boys in the SEC or in the Big 12, ACC, Big 10, stuff like that, but 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 will they? I mean, that's that's the whole thing, but at at the same time, you have to at on the other hand, you have to give those guys chances because they could become the next big thing. They could become the next Urban Meyer mm-hmm. and you just don't know until you give them the opportunity. Well, and the thing that I look at in this is going a little bit away from Chip Kelly into the Florida situation, but the thing with Scott Frost, and this is if Chip Kelly chooses UCLA, that I look at is you have to look at where the school was and then take a look at what happened when that coach came on. Because you look at Scott Frost, he comes on 2016. Like I said, this was a team that had three three coaches in 2015, didn't win a single game. Frost comes in, 6-7 and seven season right away against. And the opponents, I get they're not a Power 5 opponent, but what did you do against those opponents that the predecessor couldn't do in that last season? He went ahead and 6-7, and seven, now after a year getting two recruiting classes in, they're undefeated right now, and they look like a really good team. You look at Tom Herman, somebody that you brought in, the thing with Houston, and I know it's lesser opponents, so I'm going to throw that out, but minorly, Houston wasn't a garbage team. Under Tom, Tony Levine, they were 8-5 and five two years in a row. It was Tom Herman's coaching, I believe, that took them over the level and the culture that he set that brought them to 13-1 and one that next year, but then a 9-4 and four in his last season. With Texas, Matt Brown had a powerhouse, lost that powerhouse from... 2010 to 2013. That's why he was eventually let go after five and seven, eight and five, nine and four, eight and five. And then Charlie Strong got in. But as we've talked about with commenters before and had this discussion of Charlie Strong might have not have been given the right opportunity, six and seven, five and seven, five and seven. There's a lot of things that Tom Herman has had to change with Texas that are different with that Houston. So The thing is, and this comes back to the last point that I was going to make about Florida and UCLA when it comes to Chip Kelly, you have a program in Florida that over the past three years with Jim McElwain, 10-4, 9-4, both of the years that he's had full seasons, McElwain has won his division. This is the only year, 3-4 this year before he was let go. You have a potentially... Good team there still. With UCLA, 
yeah, Jim Moore's first three years, they were nine and five, ten and three, and ten and three. But since it's been, and I was looking at, yeah, overall, then they have eight and five, four and eight, five and six. And these past two years, you're only getting, and I know Rosen was injured last year. So before you throw that out there, four wins and five wins, I'll give you the four win season was Rosen was injured, but you've Josh Rosen this year healthy and your team only wins five games. That is concerning. So it looks into for Chip Kelly, which team has the better standpoint. It might be Florida. It might be Florida looking at what they've done the last few years compared to UCLA. No, I think you're right. I think you're right when you say that. And, uh, you know, again, it all comes down. The, fin- the final thing at the end of the day, it's always going to be it comes down to fit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yep. again, Chip Kelly, great at Oregon. But do they believe that he's also going to be what's right and best at Florida? Because mm-hmm. you always have to look at that. You, you, great. Great. Or Oregon was awesome for you. You did great there. They loved you. Blah blah blah. Everything went well. You know, you you you, you turned out. Uh, you know, Marcus Mariota. But are you going to be that same guy and produce those same n- amount of wins, those same offensive numbers when you come here to Florida? And if mm-hmm. and if you believe that he can do it, then he's your guy. Go after him. Go get him. But if not, then you can wait. You can wait, and that's okay. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention about um, Frost was that there's been talk that he's he going to go back Nebraska. to Nebraska, mm-hmm. and there was even a whole thing that said that there was a rumor seven-year deal, $35 million was out there on the table. So he comes out, he says they're totally false, then also says, quote, I can promise you that no decision has been made, end quote. So is he talking with them, mm-hmm. but nothing's been made, no, no decision's been made? That's where I'm kind of interested, too, is that I, I'm thinking he may already be off the board going to someplace else. Well, and this is where I want to turn it on to you guys. What do you guys think? First off, where should Chip Kelly go? Should he go to... UCLA, should he go to Florida? I'll be completely honest. By the time this goes up on Tuesday, I hope Chip Kelly has not decided. I hope he just goes to bed early tonight and lets us get this up first in the morning. Because then we're going to have that one person who comments, he went to such and such. Well, thanks, buddy. Let's put it this way. If he did choose by the time this went up, go ahead and tell us what you think about the signing. Also, let us know who the other schools could look at UCLA and Florida if Chip Kelly does not go to their school. Let us know who they should sign if they don't get Chip Kelly down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And we're looking at arguably the biggest game of this week coming in. It is the Iron Bowl. We've got Alabama Roll Tide. We've got Auburn War Eagle. One of these teams needs to win this week. And I am going to ask you, as I always do, because I can't ask myself. You could. Can the Tigers pull off the upset in this one? Will uh, they pull off the upset against Alabama? Well, which question are you asking? Can, can they? they or will they? Can the Tigers pull the upset? That's what we'll go with. Can, that's what I titled it. Can they? Yeah, they they can pull it. And the reason that I say that is because, one, they beat Georgia. And I know Georgia is mm-hmm. still different than Alabama, but they beat Georgia. They didn't just beat Georgia. They blew them out 40-17 to 17 as Georgia was really rolling over everybody else uh, throughout the season. But, again, Georgia had not played Alabama. 
but also because of the game that Alabama played against Mississippi State just a couple of weeks ago. And why did Mississippi State have success in that game? Why did they make it so close? Because they were able to run the football against Alabama's defense. Now, Alabama's defense has been a little bit banged up, mm-hmm. and that's been one of the problems. Like Minka Fitzpatrick, not sure if he's going to be able to go against Auburn. Status is still unclear up in the air. But if he's able to go, that's going to be a huge lift for the roll tie defense. But still, if Auburn is able to get a ground game going against Bama, I think that they're going to have some success. But on the other side, Alabama continues to run the football very effectively themselves. When Alabama runs the football and runs the football well, using Damian Harris, using Bo Scarborough, using Jalen Hurts, they're pretty unstoppable. Basically using whoever can come off the bench. And if they're and if they're able to do that effectively, which they have been able to do for most of mm-hmm. the season, they're gonna win, they're gonna win big. But if they get bottled up, mm-hmm. if they struggle to run the football, and let's just be honest, they struggled to run the football against LSU. They won 24-10 because LSU wasn't able to get anything going. The defense for Alabama was able to hold tight. If they were able to get anything going, that would have been a much closer game, and it, it, it could have been a tough one for the, the Crimson Tide because we've seen it. They've been teams that can run a little bit against them, get something going. Mm-hmm. They've they've had some success. You saw it with Mississippi State. And if Alabama struggles on the ground, which they rarely do, but if they struggle on the ground and you have to put it completely on Jalen Hurts to just throw the football, as as good as I think Hurts is and as far as I think he's come from his freshman season just a year ago, I still think that that would put the Tide in a tough position and make it a much closer game. If I'm Auburn, I'm looking at two tapes coming into this week. First off, I'm showing the team the tape from that Mississippi-Alabama game, and I'm saying, look at what they're doing. This is the closest a team has come all year to dethroning the top team. Let's be honest, even though Georgia was number one for a while, I didn't really see them as a top team. I saw them to number two to Alabama, even though they were equally as good in my mind. That's the first game I show them. The second game I show them, more importantly, that defense, I go, hey, uh, do you guys remember what you did to Nick Chubb and Sonny Michael? You got nine carries, 21 yards, and a longest of seven for um, Sony. Then you got 11 carries, 27 yards. Yeah, he got a touchdown, but he was only averaging 2.5 for Nick Chubb. You took two of the best runners and running backs that the SEC has and kept them below 20, 30 yards, I'll say, because Nick Chubb did get over 25. So you kept them below 30 yards apiece. You do that, you are going to be in that ballgame and have a chance to beat Alabama. And I want to throw something out at you. I got two things from Paul Feinbaum. The first one, and if I'm an Alabama fan, you see this and you go, I don't know how I feel about this. Nick Saban, in his career against teams that have won nine games, he is 0-6. 2000, lost at LSU. 2002, lost to a nine-win team when he was at LSU. 
2004, same thing, LSU. And then 07, 10, and 13 against nine-win Auburn teams. Nine-win Auburn teams are 0-6 when Auburn has nine wins or that have won nine games, and Auburn's 9-2 and entering this one. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know I love my history. I, you love your history, and you know how much I don't really give a shit. <laughs> um, be, and the reason being is because, as, as, but all, two things. Reason being that it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. I mean, what what's happened in the past, that's great. And does it speak for things that could happen again? It does, but at the same time, I think from year to year, as we've heard when we've talked with so many coaches, when we've talked with so many players, it, it I mean, thing, things change. It's complete, you know, things can be completely different from mm-hmm. one year to the next year to things like that. But I will say on the other side, mm-hmm. this matchup is always a big matchup. I don't care if both of the, these teams had zero wins. It would be a great game. It would be a competitive game. It would be a hard-fought game, and it would be a game that players and coaches were looking forward to for the entire week for sure, but the entire season. You look forward to this game. There are games you circle on your calendar. This is one of them. It's exciting. It does have history. We remember just a couple of years ago the infamous field goal that didn't go in, that was returned for however many hundred whatever many Mm -hmm. yards, all the way to the house for Auburn, and Auburn won the football game. There is that history that fuels the fans, that fuels what this rivalry is. So that alone, and just the pure excitement that will be happening and going on in the stadium because of that is exciting, and it gives a lot. I think it really does give a lot to the home team, the Auburn Tigers, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's still Alabama. It's still Nick Saban. They're still number one. They're still the number one football team. And I think that that is going to still be the challenge for Auburn, that Alabama is still Alabama. They still have the best defense in the country. They still have an explosive offense that can absolutely burn you on any given play. But for Auburn, you're not just any Auburn Tigers anymore. And I don't want to say, I do not want to say that having Jared Stidham is like, well, it's like having Cam Newton again Mm -hmm. because it's not completely different players, but you have a quarterback again. Mm -hmm. You have a very, very solid, good, competitive quarterback who doesn't just manage a game. He can get you wins. I want to ask you this. This is a line from Stidham against Georgia. Went 16 of 27, 214 yards, an average of 9.3 yards per play, three touchdowns, no INTs. Do you see a similar stat line? Oh, and a 41.8, which isn't the best QBR, but they won the game. Do you see a stat line similar to that this or this Saturday against Alabama? Or do you see Alabama being able to limit Jarrett Stidham? And does the offense come down solely to Jarrett Stidham and how he plays for the Tigers? I think that that stat line uh, could be very, very similar this upcoming weekend, mm-hmm. uh, but with a couple of interceptions. I, I, that, I mean, that's what I think. I think the Alabama defense, to whoever it is, whether it's whether it's Jarrett Stidham, whether it's Danny Atlane, they attack 
the quarterback, and they will rush the quarterback, and they will pressure the quarterback, and whoever's standing back there, it is tough. It is very, very tough for them, and that's why Nick Fitzgerald, in that game against Mississippi State, he didn't have a great night. He only mm-hmm. had 158 yards. He didn't turn the football over, but he, and that's why I think another reason why Mississippi State was in that game, they didn't turn the football over, but he was certainly limited. But if Stidham turns the football over, that's advantage Alabama all night long. Yeah. And the thing that I look at, too, is the big thing I look at is where this game is being played. Because I know most people are going to say, Ricky, don't matter. Could be played at Alabama, could be played at Auburn. Both teams are going to come out and play. But for this year and how this season has gone, I look at where it's being played. And it being played in Auburn, to me, might play into effect in this one because the only two games that I would say Auburn has had their worst this year were both road games. The first one, which people would say, well, Ricky, it's kind it wasn't a typical Alabama performance, but they still got the win, never trailed to them, was Texas A&M. When they went on the road to Texas A&M, they only won 27 to 19. Wasn't a typical Alabama performance. Then the Mississippi State game where it literally came down to the final play to where Alabama on a penalty gave Fitzgerald an extra untimed down to be able to try to win that game. That's one thing that would make me nervous is because, I mean, am I saying just because it's on the road Alabama's going to lose? No, I'd be stupid to say that. Comment section would be riddled with comments saying you're an idiot. They already do it. I don't need to give them a reason to do it even more. However, I just I look at just it being played in Auburn's backyard gives the Tigers a little bit of an edge because I mean, it could work out for them. They played Georgia at home. They went ahead and blew them out. I'm not saying they blow out Alabama. I expect this to be a very close game, but it being played in Auburn I think could be beneficial to the Tigers and help them in their chances for their goal to get the upset over the tie. Points allowed per game for both (laughs) of these teams. Alabama is a little over 10. Auburn's a little over 16. These teams don't allow a lot of points to opposing teams. They just Mm -hmm. don't. But one of the things that really stands out to me is also the rush yards allowed. 118, a little over 118 for Auburn. Alabama, a little over 87. So if Auburn has success running the football, they're already Mm -hmm. going at one of Alabama's best strengths defensively. It's not giving up rush. It's it's not allowing teams to have really good rushing days. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at what what I said they did to Georgia. Exactly. So if Kerryon Johnson is able to get things going on the ground, Mm -hmm. if Stidham's able to get things moving on the ground too, that's already one of those things where Bama's going to be looking at each other like, well, we, we've got to stop them because if they just keep going through us, they're going to be having a great game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, on the other, on the flip side of the coin, where Auburn's giving up 118, that 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 bodes well for Alabama because that is their strength offensively. It's running the football, and that includes everybody. Like I said earlier, that's with Jalen Hurts, that's Harris, 
that's Scarborough. That's who, like you said, whoever they want to have come off the bench. That's just one of that that that, that, that come out back off of the Alabama uh, running back tree uh, that they've got well, back there. So that's, it seems that's like in one some of their, games that is their strength. It seems like in some games it's like okay, Harris, this guy I know. Who the hell is that guy? Who's that guy? And they score a touchdown. It's like it doesn't matter who is behind there running the football for. Um, Alabama, they'll put anyone behind there and still get the same production. And I am happy that this one, and the thing I'm really happy about is, so on the weekends, I call football games for our old alma mater. I'm glad they're on the road this week because I'll actually get to sit down and watch this game because this is going to be the best game of the season. I am thinking that going in. This will be, when we look back at this college football season, how we're going to look at it is there will be two games that we look at. I think the national championship, I'm going to reserve that for the best one because I always want that to be the best game between the best two teams, kind of like we had Clemson and Alabama last year. The last two years. I think that, the well, last two years. Last year's was even a better game than the first one. It like, was, but I still think that you probably have the best mm-hmm. two teams. Yeah, that's in the but, last two years. But as a game, I was sitting after last year going, "Wow, wow, I that be- was the best game." I believe I was sitting going, "Shit." Well, yeah, you wanted Alabama to win that. Also, side note, you know what I looked up today? What's that? You know what we did not announce at the beginning of the season because I did not realize it. Hmm. The kiss of death is dead on the primetime podcast. I picked Clemson to win the championship last year, and oh, they won it. How about it? I because I was looking it up. How about I'm it? Like, you, oh. you were you were hiding that because you wanted it to continue yeah. to remain NFL. It's still, alive and well. It's still going strong on the NFL side. Hey, but the I, Giants my, won this past week, man. man. There's still two wins. <laughs> still two wins. So we'll see uh, if they get back to that playoff strong. And hey, they could go in eight and eight and beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It could happen, but. This game, I think, will be one of the top three, even not even maybe the best game that we have. And another thing, this is the last one. I said I had two of them. This, to me, blew my mind when I saw this. In the last eight years, since 2009, the only year that was the exception was 2014. And guess what? If Ezekiel Elliott and Ohio State didn't play as well as they did, it would have been the past eight years. It was an Ezekiel Elliott performance that kept... This from being eight years, but seven of the last eight years, the winner of the Iron Bowl has played for the national title. You had 2009 Alabama, 2010 it was Auburn, 2011 it was Alabama, 12 Alabama, 13 Auburn, 15 Alabama, 16 Alabama, and guess what? We could get the same thing. No matter which one of these teams wins this year, could be the same thing Going into it could be eight of the last nine when we get to next year. And I was going to say, Ricky, one of my one of my final points that I want to make is we. I don't think I can't remember, and I'm I'm trying to remember the when gears are turning when the Iron Bowl Auburn Alabama game had as much on the line as this one does because it's been played. You know, obviously. For the longest time. But how many times have has it been implications such as this? Decides SE West title. Decides 
possibly who is going to be in the playoff and, and, and who's not necessarily going to be in the playoff. I mean, there's a lot of different things on the line in this game that we just haven't seen mm-hmm. from the uh, Iron Bowl in, in previous years. You know what I'm saying? Like Alabama 7-0 in conference, Auburn 6-1, Alabama 11-0 overall, Auburn 9-2, where both teams have been this good, this competitive, and have had this much on the line. I, I really I, I can't remember the last time where there, there, were this ma- there were this many things at stake coming down to the very end of the season with this game. I'm trying to... Great. Now you got me thinking about it because I do remember and my my memory might be failing me. I hope it's not because I'm only 27. But wasn't there a matchup when Alabama was number one and Auburn was number two? Haven't these teams seen number one, number two matchup in our lifetime? I, well, I'm just trying to remember how long ago that was because it has got to be multiple let's, let's years. Because I have, I'm trying to remember. I have not remembered a time recently when Auburn has been mm-hmm. a top, quote-unquote, quote top dog. And I'm not saying they're not, but w- when they've been a, a playoff, you know, playoff powerhouse type of team and that Al- Alabama has been the same at the you know same time it's at least been the last seven years because I'm already on 2010 and it has not been one ah that one could have been it I'm gonna click this game really quick it could have been 2010 because Auburn was number two Alabama was number 11 so that was the year that was the last time Auburn was really good was when they beat um, Alabama 28-27, but Alabama was the 11th ranked team in the country because well, they lost earlier that Well, that's got to be one of the last times that we saw these two teams meet each other, both being mm-hmm. really, really competitive, having having really good seasons, both of them having really, really good seasons. I'm still 2008. My, I'm, I'm in my high school days right now, and Auburn, I could have sworn, unless I'm thinking LSU, I could be thinking yeah, because I, I know because I, that's, that's, that's I know right. they have met number one, number two a couple of times. Well, they met number one, number two during the one season, then played each other for the BCS title. I'm not. I'm already at 2005, and I've not seen an Auburn team White that was Sox at two World Series here since uh, since that 2010. I want to say was that the one I saw where it was yeah, two over 11, 28, 27, but. This is where you guys come in. Let us know down below. What do you think of the game? Who do you got winning this game? Brandon and I, we're teasing you. We're not going to give our pick right here. You got to go check out the picks video, or if you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, stick around. We're going to do that at the end of the podcast. So that's what we call a tease in the biz. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our last topic before we make our picks and This topic I've been waiting for, I've been excited for this one ever since we started the podcast, ever since you and I knew that we were going to talk about this. And we're going to look at a 2018 NFL draft topic, but we're looking at a certain player. And Baker Mayfield, this past weekend, tried to shake hands with Kansas. They wouldn't shake hands. He he let it get to him. He might have grabbed his uh, private region during the game and swore at the Kansas sideline. There's now reports that 
I've seen so I've seen two things on PTI today. I heard that oh he's suspended for the game. I've seen on ESPN in the article that he will not start this weekend against West Virginia, but Lincoln Riley has not said if he will play. Then I saw in the article headline on the front page of ESPN, it said Baker Mayfield won't start, will play versus West Virginia. So we don't know for sure if he is going to play. We know he's not going to start, but I want to ask you more so on the draft side of things, is how are these sideline antics going to affect, or will they affect, Baker Mayfield when it comes to draft profile and draft stock? I don't think it's going to affect him at all. Really? I don't think it's going to. At all? Not at all. Not, Not one bit. Not one bit, because this is not a pattern of things that have happened with him on the on the sidelines and in, okay. in, in these in these antics. It's he's not he's not. This was one game where he was pissed off because the Kansas team uh, couldn't be respectful. You go out there, you shake hands, and that's what you do. The fact that they wouldn't do it, it's pretty disrespectful, I think, in my opinion. And I'd be pissed too. Maybe he should have handled it in a different way. And when I say maybe, he absolutely should, should have. have. But I think it's a good point to also bring up that Lincoln Riley brings up mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the press conference is that these guys who are playing, not just Baker Mayfield, but all of them, they're still young men. They're, 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 they're not adults. They're getting there. Mm-hmm. They're getting there. They're, they're not fully grown adults, you know, out into the real world. But they're close. But not quite yet. They do. You, did you make mistakes in college? Yes, I made mistakes in college. All of you guys and girls made mistakes in college. You just didn't do it on a national stage. He did. But I still think that it's not going to affect him because one, it's not something that he went out of his way to do something to Kansas mm-hmm. to then be the one to start it and instigate it and, and everything like that. If you want to go through everything that's happened with Baker Mayfield, if you want to go through the fact of his DUI, uh, was it was it an arrest or a DUI pullover? He I know was, that he was pulled over for a DUI. He was arrested because what happened with that incident was while the cop was talking to him, he had the great idea of, I'm a FBS quarterback, I can outrun this guy, and went out run the cop and got speared into the cement wall. All right, I was pretty sure that's what happened. So a DUI arrest, then you have what he did at Oklahoma State, which truly mm-hmm. I loved. Um, and then three, now you have this on the sidelines. Those those things to me, that doesn't, the DUI, I, I, I would be worried about and just make sure that that's not happening again, that's not a pattern, that that's mm-hmm. not a problem. Um, and... Then number two would be as long as you're not pulling this type of antics, there's no pattern. There's no pattern with with any sideline antics from him. There's this game. There's this game against Kansas. And was it good to see? No, that's not what you want to see. But is it going to happen all the time? My guess, my answer would be no, it's not. Because it hasn't happened multiple times before. I don't think it's going to affect him on people's draft boards because he's still a competitor. He's still a guy that goes out there and plays well, and that's what teams need him to do. Mm-hmm. They, they need him to come and play well every single game. They also do need him to be 
a leader. And that's what he is here on this Oklahoma team. He's looked at and he's viewed as a leader. And he is a leader. And as we've seen in our country, sometimes leaders screw up. Sometimes they don't always do the best thing, the right thing that you should do. But we're not perfect. And him coming out and writing a statement, putting it on social media, understanding that he's wrong. The way he reacted was stupid, childish, terrible. He's embarrassed by it. He should be. He should be. But I think the fact that you, you're you going to, and, and I, people are going to say, well, of course he had to admit to it. People, he had the pressure. It was on you know national TV, blah, 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 on ESPN that he did it. I get that too. But the fact that you recognize it, you say it's a huge mistake, a terrible mistake, something that you won't do that's that's not something that you want to be known for. You did it. You respond to it. You learn from it. You grow from it. You move on. You don't do it again. And if you cannot do it again, you're going to be good. But the minute that you do something like that again, you have antics like that and you start that pattern, that's when I would get nervous. But Ricky, to this point, I see no pattern. I see an incident, a bad incident, but an incident. You put it in the rearview mirror. You move on. If he can do that, I don't see him moving. Before I say what I'm going to say, I want to disclaimer this. I don't know Baker Mayfield. I've never talked to Baker Mayfield in person. However, what I saw just in this one incident, I'm not even going to use the DUI. I'm not going to use the lapse in judgments that we've seen before. However, those can play into this a little bit. What I saw this past week was a guy who you can be on the other side of should Kansas have shook hands? Yes, that's what sportsmanship is. But guess what? They didn't have to. How many times have we seen matchups where the teams just hate each other? And it's like, I don't want to shake your hand. I despise you. And Kansas, they're a team that, I mean, you got to look at what's going on with them too. They probably, everyone hates to lose no matter who you are. And that's all they have done. So that's just boiling over at this point. But I'm not here to defend them. What I saw was a young man who is a redshirt senior, which NFL scouts, they're going to see that and go, you should be more mature than people who are younger than you. They expect seniors and redshirt seniors to carry themselves differently because you've been through four years of college. Did I make mistakes in college? Yes. Most of those mistakes came my first two years, maybe my third year. By senior year, I pretty much had my act together because I'm like, oh, shoot, if I don't, then I'm not going to get a job after college and I can screw up my life. That's where I was going with mine. Is everyone like that? No, not at all. Some people don't get it until after college. But the thing is, if he played, if he plays any other position than the one he did, I would be on your side. I would say, you know what? Doesn't matter. Give him a pass. But because he's a quarterback, the quarterback position is the one position where some people like a fiery quarterback. Most NFL teams have shown they don't want a quarterback who is going to let things get under their skin. Look at and 
all I'm going to do is just run through the division leaders right now in the NFL. The Patriots. Does Tom Brady let anything get under his skin? No. No, but he's the GOAT, so I guess we'll push him aside like we usually do Alabama. Big Ben. Does usually, off-the-field issues, but does he let anything get under his skin? He, yes and no. He he did in terms of that press conference mm-hmm. when he gave the answer of well I guess I just don't have it anymore huh you know I mean you know so that's I, why I, I, yes. yes and no yes the AFC South Blake Bortles doesn't have to let anything get under his skin because no one treats him as a real quarterback but I'll go through the rest of the quarterbacks in the AFC South because it's interesting Marcus Mariota. Does he let anything under his skin? No. Doesn't seem like it. Deshaun Watson as a rookie? No. Andrew Luck. Well, if you're asking Jim Irsay, it's all in his head with the injury. But also, Andrew Luck, you can't talk to him because he's yeah, in Europe. Because he's in Europe. But moving on. AFC West. Alex Smith. Does he let anything get under his skin? Not really. Carson Wentz this year. Even the second place team in Dak Prescott. Not really. You look at Teddy Bridgewater with the Vikings, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford. You look at Russell Wilson. You look at Jared Goff this year. My point is teams don't want hotheads at quarterback. And I'm not saying that, oh, you did this, you're a hothead. What I'm saying is NFL scouts are going to see that, and that's what they think of you. It only takes a second for an NFL scout to get an image of you that could ruin your draft stock. Because does Baker Mayfield have the tools to be a first-round talent in the NFL draft? Absolutely. But it's stuff like this that is going to hurt him to where I feel like if he keeps this up and this lingers with him, he will not be a first-round quarterback and he will drop. Could that be good for him? Maybe. Could it not? We don't know. We're not at the draft yet. But when it comes to NFL teams... They want their quarterbacks to not let things get under their skin. Two in particular that I would say are guys that let things get under their skin. The first of which is minor. He's a sophomore, so we still don't know how this is going to go, is Jameis Winston. But the bigger one is, look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton is the one guy every time we talk about him, it's he still hasn't let the Super Bowl go. He still hasn't let... What got under his skin, go. And that has affected him. I know the team right now for the Panthers are doing well, but it comes down to the goal that every NFL team has, win the Super Bowl. And I feel like if a GM or someone in the war room that's making that decision, whether it be the GM, the owner, the head coach, they might look at that and go, we don't need this kid. We'll move on. And that's where it could hurt him in the draft. I'll just continue to disagree with you because Jameis Winston, and we were just talking about this the other day, Jameis mm-hmm. Winston now, when he was in college, accusation of sexual assault, stole crab legs, and he's still a top two pick in the NFL. Is he not? Was he not? But here's the thing. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Answer the fucking question. He was. No. Yes, thank you. But I'll ask you this. Does Baker Mayfield have equal talent to Jameis Winston? I'm not saying that he does, but I, what I'm saying, and the the point that you're kind of asking is, do you think that he, his draft stock will fall? Mm-hmm. 
Well, no, because of exactly what James, what what Jameis Winston went through when he was in college, the mm-hmm. things that were thrown up against him adversity-wise in college, and still he ended up being a top-two pick. So it doesn't matter sometimes for teams. They don't care. You know, whether it's a top-two... If he had those types of things against him, and he's still a top-two pick, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield will be... If he, he's not going to be a top-two pick, he'll be fine. He doesn't have that that those same types of things. He he didn't steal anything. He ha, he has a a charge of you know arrest for DUI. So there's still something there. He you know he did something wrong. He has now done this. He he you know gloated a bit after the win against Ohio State, which you're beating Ohio State. I'd be mm-hmm. gloating too. I I I don't think that it's so major. Where you look at it and you go, well, that, that's how this kid's going to be. You know, he can't turn his act around. I, I just, we do always forget, we always forget that these are still human beings just like you and me trying to get through life, trying to do things. You're, you know, you, you expect them, people expect them to be absolutely perfect and robotic. <gasps> you did something wrong. Well, no shit. They do things wrong sometimes. That doesn't mean that you can just say that they're going to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny Manziel, let's look at Johnny Manziel. You know, he was Mr. You know, show me the money on the field, all this kind of stuff. That was something that was a pattern that just continued to go on. You know, people could have, if someone would have said, yeah, Johnny Manziel, he may be a problem. I don't think anyone was going to go, you know what? You're absolutely wrong. He's not going to be a problem. He's going to be the best saint-like quarterback there could be. You would want to check that person's head because that's not what Johnny Manziel ended up being like. And he had his he had his demons. But everyone does. Everyone has that. And just because you show that one time, it doesn't mean that that's exactly how you're going to be all the time. That got under his skin. Yes, it did. Does he need to be better about having a thicker skin? Yes, he does. Guess what? Do you need to learn these things and grow and have situations that help you grow? You do. Mm. Is that one of them? Yes, that's going to be. That's going to be his example, his situation that he went through. That is a, that's the learning curve for him. Baker, you can't be like that. When I listened and watched an interview that Scott Van Pelt had with Baker Mayfield, I think it was either back in 2016 or 2015, the kid was a stand-up class act. The way that he was talking, the way that he was handling himself in that interview, that's the Baker Mayfield I know is there. That's the Baker Mayfield that I believe who he truly is. You have things like that, you know, blow-ups like that. Do we... Do we know people, and now I, I want to bring this over into the everyday Joe Schmo mm-hmm. life. Do we know people at work who we know or have friends who we know? They're great people. They're awesome. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're not realizing, oh my gosh, they're reacting like this. And you, you would have never thought that that would have happened or come from them. We all have it. We all define, have it. Define it a little better because I'm trying to process it in my mind. So you have a friend, mm-hmm. never gets angry, never gets upset, nothing. 
But let's say you're in the Christmas season, you're mm-hmm. you're out with them shopping, you know, and it's just completely busy. They've had a, you know, let's say they've had a long day, they've been busy, they've been stressed, and something happens, and they just snap, and they're like, you know, what the hell? Why is this not happening? I need to get this done now. You know, they're either snapping on you or they're snapping on somebody else, and you're like, whoa, I, you know, this I'm kind of taken aback because this has never happened, you know, from you. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying is that there's people out there just like baker mayfield who they're good people they're class acts they do handle themselves well but something that just throws them and boom that's that, that's how they react well that's, and that's what i'm saying so you, you you can't just put one thing one action on a on a kid and say well that's how he's gonna be and he's gonna drop on people's draft boards i i just don't think so there's too much talent there and that's what scouts are going to say. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, okay, so he didn't handle himself all that great in this situation, but gosh damn, he just lit them up all game long. That's what they're going to talk about. A lot of things. So I got a lot of things that I want to hit at. First off, the I understand what you're saying about the blow-up analogy. I just I don't think it fits this. How does it not? Wait, Explain. I don't think it fits at 110% because just because, like, if he would have blown up on a reporter or blown up in an interview, then I would say it fits. But this wasn't something to where it was like, wow, where do we see this from Baker Mayfield? We have seen things, like you mentioned, the Oklahoma State game, like the Ohio State game. And I didn't even want to bring that one up because that was the only one that I was looking at going, Whatever. He stuck a flag in the middle of the field. Like, whatever. But this one, the whole thing that I think of is how far he went with it this one. Swearing at the other sideline, grabbing his balls, kind of making that gesture. I know he apologized for it, and I'm not saying that, oh, he did this. He's automatically chastised out of the league. There have been a lot of people that have been worse. I mean, I would rather that happen to, like, Joe Mixon or Greg Hardy or... Those fools, not Baker Mayfield, but the thing I want to go back to is when you were talking about Jameis Winston and when it comes to Baker Mayfield. Winston had a lot of baggage coming in, but the difference between Winston and Mayfield is if Baker Mayfield was a top two talent, like people were saying it's going to be number one and number two for sure, like the Winston draft, the Winston draft, every single mock draft, had Mariota and Winston, and some of them flipped, some of them kept them exactly the same. If Mayfield was in that boat, I would be right along with you. This isn't going to affect them. Top two talent, team, whatever team's up there is not going to care. I fit this into more of the Johnny Manziel mold of not the off-the-field things because that was substance abuse and Baker Mayfield doesn't have that, but when you go back to that Man- Manziel draft, Manziel did drop a little bit, and we were sitting in the first round going, okay, is Jerry Jones going to take him? He had a phone call with Jerry Jones. Are you going to take me? Are you going to take me? Apparently didn't know where he was going to go at that point. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is similar with Baker Mayfield. Has the talent in college football, has the talent to be an NFL quarterback, but if some teams that need quarterbacks look at it and go, you know, great, nice kid, 
He's got the skills, but I'm just not ready to make a commitment into the most valuable position on my team when I don't know if he's going to have a lapse in judgment and if it's going to be something minor or if it's going to be something major. And that's the big issue here is it's not an attack on his character. It's not an attack because he's got the skills to be a starter in the NFL. The thing is, the whole lapse of judgment is when you're an NFL quarterback, you're saying like, you know, they expect him to be robots. Well, yeah, they do, especially NFL quarterbacks, because you're the leader of this team and you are the most important part of an NFL team. Like we have talked before on this podcast, we've talked about it on the Onside Kick podcast of crappy teams that have no weapons around can be carried by an amazing quarterback. And just having that amazing quarterback elevates your team. But teams aren't going to necessarily want to take that stab if they feel like there might be an incident here and there might be a lapse in judgment. That's the thing going forward. However, good thing is he still has the combine coming up with interviews, which I hope he would take the interviews and be able to talk to scouts from NFL teams. Well, I just have to go back to your point of, uh, you know, Jameis Winston. You know, if, if you're looking at a top two, let's say a top two, you know, pick and, you know, you, you're, you're looking at a guy like him for that and, you know, you, you say, no, it's it, it's fine. No, it, it doesn't matter. I, I would completely disagree with you and be on the other side. I think more so for a top two pick is where you really have to look and see if they're going to be my franchise mm-hmm. quarterback. That's where I really have to look and see, hey, if they have a lot of baggage, I don't want them. I don't want them because oh, I, I need this person to be my franchise quarterback. You. You're you're more willing to do it if you're if you're not if you're not in the top five picks, mm-hmm. most likely you probably won't need a quarterback now. So that's why teams I think could get someone, let's say in a you know, ten to to ten to seventeen, or I don't know why I said ten to seventeen, you know, ten to twenty or wherever mm-hmm. like that, or 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 beyond, where You've got a quarterback right now that you're going with that you want to have Baker Mayfield. You want to bring him in. You want to draft him, and he can sit for a year, two years, however long it may be, and then you get to get a feel for how the guy really is. That's where I'm like, eh, you know, he had he had a couple of things that happened. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's fine. I'm not as worried. But if you're looking for a guy, franchise guy, in a top two or let's say top five pick, that's where I'm more so looking into, okay, he's got the skills. Does he have the character to be able to become our franchise quarterback, be the number one leader on this team, Mm -hmm. and really put all that on his shoulders and carry this team and as a 22, 23-year-old be the guy and know he's the guy, but be able to handle it. And then when you also look at quarterbacks and you say robots, yeah, they robots, yeah, they they do expect that. Well, let me tell you, I don't want a robot. If I'm an owner, if I'm a GM, I don't want a robot. Give me someone who's got some fire in him. Give me someone who's got some passion in him. Phillip Rivers, do I think he's the best quarterback in the league? No, but he's got passion. He'll tell you when you did a bad job. He'll tell you when you did a good job, and he will f- be fiery mm-hmm. with the other team. I mean, I remember exchanges with him and Jay Cutler, you know, when it, when Jay Cutler was on the Broncos, and exchanges on the field. They look at each other, basically tell each other to F off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
I like that fire, that passion. You care about what you're doing. You care about your team. You care about your players. I like that. I don't necessarily like it in the way that Baker Mayfield did it, Mm -hmm. but I like that he has some fire, that he's not okay with Kansas. I don't care that you're 0-9. I'm not the reason you're 0-9. You're the reason you're 0-9. You know, don't be upset with us because we're good. We're probably going to trounce you. We didn't do anything to Mm -hmm. you. Have some class. Show some respect. We were out there. We were ready to shake your hands. That's where, you know, that would piss me off too. It would piss me off too if you're out there. You're you're su- supposedly you're all supposed to be captains, mm-hmm. and you know with the captain role, you know you're obviously a leader on the football team. Not one of those guys was a leader. Not one of those guys for Kansas should be standing their ass out there. Well, and well, this isn't, and I don't want to get this on to Kansas because should they have shaken hands? Like I said, no, no, yes. no. Here, let me, but, but let me, but let me say that it, it is partially on Kansas. Mm-hmm. They never did it. Baker Mayfield never does what he does. That is horseshit to me. That's, and the reason it, why no. the reason why is you can't control what other people are going to do. What should have happened, and I don't want to sound like the bearer of being the judgment here, but what Baker Mayfield should have done was, you don't want to shake my hand, fine. I'm going to beat your ass, but keep that internally. Not, not necessarily act like he did. Don't let it get to you like it did. Just let it show through your play. And the thing that, like, with Philip Rivers, the thing that I know that some people would say when you're like, oh, I like that fiery guy, how successful has the, or have the Chargers been since 2004? Yeah, they've gone to AFC, two AFC championships, but the Chargers have been a team in Philip Rivers' time. Not saying it's his fault, though. But it has nothing to do with. It has nothing to do that. Thing- you, you can be fiery and not mm-hmm. necessarily your team be successful. To be honest with you, we may not see Tom Brady be fiery every single time on the field. But have you seen? You've seen multiple times when he comes over and he is getting his guys going on the That's sidelines. That's what I was going He's to get to. He's getting the fans excited on the sidelines. Yep. So you're you should have fire if you've got none. I'm a little worried. Well, no, that's what I was going to bring up, and I know that, like I mentioned, you're going to people are going to be like, "Well, he's the goat. You can't really compare him to the goat." But yeah, you can. You can learn things from Tom Brady because Tom Brady does he have fire? Does he play with fire? Yeah, but he's not going to be the one sitting there screaming over to the other sideline. He'll be the one to fire up his own players and worry about his team. That's what, and yet again, like going back to what you said, Baker Mayfield, young guy, still has time to learn. The question is, can he use this as a teachable moment and move forward from it? That's going to be the most important part of it because right now I could see him talent-wise being what I think it was Bill Polian or someone said that he would be a perfect fit with the Browns because he wouldn't care that it's the Browns because all he wants to do is win. He can be a guy to turn around a team like the Browns, or he can be a guy like Johnny Manziel to where it's had the talent, was a great college quarterback, but fizzled out. That's where I see right now the that's the high and the low. Where's he going to go from this and use it as a teachable moment? That's what this all sits at and where we're at right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it's it's something that um 
he knows, he realizes he's done something wrong, he did something wrong, he shouldn't have done it. Um, and I, I think that it's really nice knowing that he has, He you clearly saw and can see that he, and if you haven't watched uh, the the press conference of Lincoln Riley talking about his quarterback, you definitely should watch it uh, because uh, 30 seconds, 30 seconds went by. Lincoln Riley couldn't talk because he was getting choked up because he he likes Baker Mayfield that much. He cares that much about his quarterback, and he and he feels for his quarterback. I think that him supporting Baker Mayfield as much as he's supporting him right now I think that that's really important, and that's really big for Baker Mayfield moving forward. Well, and this is where I want you guys to let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about anything we did talk about about Baker Mayfield. But, Brandon, let's close up the podcast doing what we always do. And you know what? I don't. I think this is the first week I can't say hello YouTube first because I think the Chip Kelly segment's going to come out before the picks video for once because we want that one to go out there hopefully he does not sign before we get it out there but we're making our picks here on the podcast here on blog talk radio it is the end of the full podcast here on blog talk radio itunes and stitcher we go through all the top 25 games this week giving you our winners giving you our losers and letting you know why and brandon we got a thursday night matchup a thanksgiving matchup sec the battle for Mississippi, we got Old Miss, number 16, right now number 16, Mississippi State. Rankings might change. We do this on Monday, so disclaimer. Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, 16.5-point favorites. Who do you got? Ole Miss was in a really close game last week with Texas A&M. They lost it 31-24. Mississippi State, though, at home. They're getting the Thanksgiving win. They'll go to 9-3. and Yeah, I'm going to go with Mississippi State as well. Old Miss... This has just been one where I just do one of these and walk away. You knew you weren't going to do that great this season. However, the thing that could play into this one is you win this game, Old Miss. Not only is it a rivalry game, but you win, you become bowl eligible with six. So it might be a close one, but I'm going to go with Fitzgerald and the Bulldogs. Then we move on to some Friday action Miami, they almost got upset against oh my Virginia. They Virginia were down early. Miami going into Pittsburgh, they're two touchdown favorites. Do the Panthers have it in them to upset the turnover chain? I don't think so. If Miami was playing Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. then I'd say, okay, we're in for another really, really good game. And who knows? Maybe Pittsburgh will get up for this one. But Miami, they've just got too much firepower against them. They've had so many big wins now. Ten of them in a row to be exact to go be ten and zero because they're mm-hmm. all big, um, but uh, Miami they just keep rolling this week. They go to eleven and zero. We're gonna see the turnover chain a lot, and I got to do it, Brandon. You I always gotta do. do you it. always I gotta, do. Got to throw up the U because the Hurricanes going to eleven and zero. They're gonna be undefeated when they go and play Clemson. That is a lock'em. That game all set for the ACC title game. Clemson and Miami. Miami will be there eleven and zero. Then we got a Big 12 matchup. We've got 1 and 10 Baylor playing 9 and 2 TCU. TCU a 25 and a half point favorite. All the Horn Frogs have to do, Brandon, is win this game and they're playing Oklahoma for the Big 12 title game. Who do you got? I'm going to go with TCU. I, I think that Shocker. Them being at home and playing Baylor. Baylor has been such a down team this year. Mm-hmm. It should be a very easy win for TCU. Yeah, I 
no disagreements there. TCU should win this game. Baylor, not that great of a season. We'll see if Coach Rule will get them going in his second year in 2018. Going to go with the Horn Frogs. Then wrapping up our Friday games, we've got a non-Power 5 matchup. We've got Charlie Strong's 9-1 South Florida Bulls going up against the UCF Golden Knights, the 10-0 Golden Knights. Central Florida only an 11-point favorite. Brandon, you know who I'm going with. I'm going with Scott Frost. I'm going with the team that averages 40-some, 50-some points per game. I'm going with UCF. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, UCF as well here at home. Should be a good game. I would expect a good game Could out of two teams. Could be the best game the Golden Knights see this season. It, it very well should be the best game that they see this season. Both teams have been pretty competitive all year long. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Mr. Frost may not be there at the end of the season. Yeah, he may not. He may be in Florida. He may be with Alabama, not Alabama, with Nebraska. I don't know why I said Nick Alabama. Saban There's leaving. no way Nick Saban is leaving. It's because I was actually going to pull up really quick the American and actually a fun fact. If South Florida wins this game, UCF would not play for the American title. It would be South Florida that would win the East, I believe, and have the tiebreaker. So a big matchup for both those two teams. Then we get into Saturday, and the first one I've got up because I'm logged into my personal profile, and they are my favorite team, so they're at the top. We've got number 23 right now, Northwestern, going into Champaign, Illinois, to play my fighting Illini. Northwestern, a 17-point favorite, three-score favorite. Who do you got, the Wildcats? Or the Illini. They should be at least a three-score favorite, and they're. it's probably going to be like they're uh, uh, the home team in this one. Illinois has been so bad all season long. Oh, and eight in the big time? Their, their fans have been so minimal. Mm-hmm. It's really been sad. Northwestern should get an easy win against the not-so-fighting Illini. You know what bugs me to this day? It had to be about two, three years ago. Um, it was a game we played Northwestern. In Champaign, and I remember seeing the pictures to this day of, you know how Illinois, the Illini fans do the card thing where they throw up the eye and then they flip the cards? Yes, With how many students that were there because it was Thanksgiving and how bad the team was, it wasn't even a full eye. It was like this little weak, like sad looking eye that like I was just sitting there going, you know what? I didn't even go to Illinois. And I felt disgraced. Like, how dare you? How dare you put that up? Why are you not supporting your team? But I get they're bad. I kind of want to hit the upset special button, but I'm not. I'm going to go with Northwestern. And a little bit of me just died inside because I just said Northwestern was going to win. That's going to that's gonna take a little bit for me to uh, come back from. But while I do that, Brandon, you let me know who's going to win. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Bulldogs 11-point favorites. <sighs> I'm going Georgia. I'm going with the Bulldogs. I think that uh, they'll get back on track and uh, really get things going against Georgia Tech. They'll get the win. This is a game I almost wanted to hit the upset special button, but I'm not going to. I think the Bulldogs will win. However, I think it might be closer than an 11-point game. So I think that Georgia Tech, I might be taking them and the points plus 11. However, I think Georgia will get the win nonetheless. Then the matchup we thought, which would be much bigger at the beginning of the season, all it 
it's only big for Ohio State when it comes to playoff. Michigan is just playing for pride at this point as they've already racked up a bowl berth. But we've got the big matchup, the big rivalry, Ohio State and Michigan in Ann Arbor. Buckeyes, 12-point favorites. I'm going to go with Ohio State. How about you? I almost, Another game. Wanted to hit the upset special button, but I'm not going to go with the Buckeyes. I'm also going to go with the Buckeyes from Ohio State. I think that they'll get the win. I think Michigan will get up and play well, but I still think that Ohio State will get the win. Do we even have to pick the next one? Number 13, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Cowboys 40-point favorites. We're both picking the Cowboys, right? This is what I think we we should be picking for this one. Does Kansas or does Kansas not shake the hand of Mason Rudolph? Oh, they'll shake it. They don't care about Mason Rudolph. It was only Baker Mayfield. Why? It was only Baker Mayfield. I guarantee you. You know what? I'll bet you $5 they do shake his hand. That's a bet I will make. Screw the line. I'm betting that. They will shake Mason Rudolph's hand. That's what I think. Moving on to the next one, though. We've got Memphis. We've got East Carolina. Tigers, 28-point favorites. I'm going with the T-Grays. How about you? Yeah, I'm going Memphis as well against East Carolina. 3-8. and eight. Memphis all day. And then the big one. We talked about it earlier. We've got Alabama. We've got Auburn. We got the Iron Bowl in Auburn, Alabama. The tied only four and a half point favorites. Brandon, I'll let you go first as the resident Alabama fan. Who do you got? Well, in this one, it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a close game. I think we're going to see a game in the 30s. Both teams, Alabama's, I think, scoring in the 40s on average, and Auburn, I think, high into the 30s. I think we see a game into the 30s in this one. It's going to be a close one, but it's going to be the team who does not turn the football mm-hmm. over or turns it over the least amount of times that's going to be able to get this win. I just see it being Alabama. I think that if Alabama has that running game and they're able to run on this defense, which other teams have been able to do, mm-hmm. I think Alabama will get the win. However, Auburn, though, if they're able to get a running game going against Alabama, Alabama giving up 87 yards on the ground on average, if Auburn's able to go well over that average, we will see a tight tight contest. But I've got to go with the Crimson Tide in this one. As I've said in the past this year, Alabama, 11-0. They haven't given me another reason why not to go with them. Auburn's going to win. It's going to be, here's what's going to happen. Auburn wins at home. It's going to be 35-34. Reason why it's 35, let me see if my math is correct. It is. Reason why it's 35-34. Late in the game, under two minutes to go, Jarrett Stidham puts the Tigers up 35-28. to Alabama marches down the field just as time expires, gets into the end zone. 35-34. Nick Saban, does he kick the extra point and go for overtime? Does he play for the win? Gambling Nick Saban goes for two. They stuff the run game at the goal line, and Auburn walks away with a one-point victory. That's how it's going to go down. Don't even have to watch the game. You just heard it from myself. Next one, we've got, though, Big Ten. We've got Wisconsin, Minnesota, 17-point favorites are the Badgers. Who you got? Wisconsin, they have a perfect undefeated season, and they continue to make a reason and an argument for why they should be in the playoff. I would love Minnesota to win. Like, absolutely love. They would be the one I root for, but let's be completely honest. I would love to hit that upset special button. 
I just, I can't. Wisconsin's going to win this game, and then they will play Ohio State for a playoff berth. Because if they win, they could be in. If they lose, they'd definitely be out against Ohio State. So we'll have to wait until next week to see if Wisconsin is officially in or officially out. Then a Big Ten team that is completely... I don't want to say completely fell off the map, but I kind of do because we're not talking about them anymore. I feel like the hype for Saquon Barkley as a Heisman has kind of fizzled down as Baker Mayfield has risen. Penn State, 9-2, and two, Maryland. Penn State, 21.5-point favorites. Got to go Penn State in this one. Uh, just because they've fallen off a little bit in terms of their talk about them and everything like mm-hmm. that, they're still a really good football team that is going to probably put up a lot of points against Maryland. Then the next one, I'm going to go with Penn State as well. Got to make that pick. Next one, ACC matchup, North Carolina, North Carolina State. The Wolfpack 16.5-point favorites. Wolfpack, though, have been on the decline of late, losing to Wake Forest. Any chance the Tar Heels pull off the upset? I don't I don't think so. Uh, this is an interesting game only because it's a rivalry, mm-hmm. in-state rivalry and everything like that. But North Carolina has been so poor this season. NC State, yeah, they've fallen off a little bit, but they've been a strong team throughout the entirety of this season. I would go with NC State. Yeah, I'm going to go with NC State as well. And then the first, I believe the first Mountain West game we have called in a while since the Aztecs got bumped from the rankings earlier in the season. We got Boise State. First time I know that we've picked them this season, I believe. We've got Fresno State. The Broncos, only a seven-point favorite, Brandon. Who you got? You going BSU? You going FSU? I'll go with Boise. Yeah, I'm going to go with, you know what, just for fun, I'm going to go with the upset. I am going to go Fresno State because of Derek Carr. That's the only reason why I'm picking them. And then a big, big 12 matchup redundancy there with the word big. We've got West Virginia. We've got Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield not starting for this one could play. Sooners are still twenty one and a half point favorites. Yeah, still got to go with Oklahoma. West Virginia could give them a could give them a game. Uh, West Virginia gave Oklahoma State a game. Oklahoma State ended up pulling away in that one. Oklahoma is a very strong football team. They've shown it throughout this season, and I fully expect that Baker Mayfield will be out on the field for most of this game. Won't start as you said, but I feel like you think be- one quarter. Because that's what I when I when I saw Will play, I was thinking, oh, they'll just first quarter he's done. Well, I was and then play the last three. I was gonna say a couple possessions, maybe. A couple possessions might be one quarter. Meaning, meaning not starting. When Mm -hmm. you say will not start, but will play, Mm -hmm. that could mean he literally is not the starter. Yeah, but he could come into play. I mean, I don't think that's gonna happen. But I I don't know. I think one quarter would be what they go with, just to say it was. uh, we. Looked into it seriously, and then they could still win with them in three quarters. However, I'm going to be ballsy. Will Greer not playing for the Mountaineers. He's injured as well. I believe he's done for the year. With Baker Mayfield out, I think the Mountaineers jump on the Sooners early, and I'm going to go with the upset here. Going going with the little rolling the dice here. I know it's not the popular pick, but I'm going to go with the upset and the Mountaineers. They've burned me once before. Please do not burn me again then we are going to the big 10 we've got the spartans we've got the scarlet knights spartans are two touchdown favorites i'm gonna go with them over Rutgers. oh michigan stayed all the way in this one Rutgers, Rutgers has about two more wins than i thought they would (laughs) 
Another big rivalry in the Carolinas, the South Carolina this time. We've got Clemson. We've got South Carolina, a two-touchdown favorite for the Tigers. Fans are going to expect me to pick South Carolina, but I will not. Who are you going to pick? Wow. I'm going to go upset. I South, almost thought about South it. South Carolina will finally end this BS talk about Clemson <laughs> being in the playoff. Because they, they shouldn't the Syracuse. be. South Carolina with the win. Oh, wow. I almost wanted to do it. I almost want to change my pick, but I won't. Um, then we've got SEC, the final SEC game we're picking for the week. We've got Texas A&M on the road at LSU. The LSU Tigers are 10.5-point favorites. Who you got? I'll go LSU, but I feel like Texas A&M should win just so Kevin Sumlin can go 8-4. and four. <laughs> That's enough of a reason <laughs> for me. 8-4, and four, Texas A&M gets the upset because that's just what Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin <laughs> do. They go 8-4, and four, and they'll go 5-3 and three in the SEC. Then our last two, we've got Stanford hosting the number 8 team in the country, Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish, only two and a half point favorites. Brandon, I'm going with the Cardinals to win in this one. Ending the playoff talk for the Fighting Irish. Who are you going with? I'm going to go with ND. I think that they're going to still get the win. It's you know It will be a close game, but I, I think they get the win here. There is no playoff hope right mm-hmm. now for Notre Dame, so that at the end of the season they can just have a, well, it was a good year, fellas. Notre Dame wins. Though. And fighting for second place on their side of the Pac-12, the North. We've got the Cougars from Washington State. We've got the Huskies from Washington. The Huskies are a three-field goal favorite in this one. And Brandon, I'm going with the Cougs. How about you? And Ricky, I'm yeah, doing buddy. the exact same. Washington yeah, State. Uh, Washington is going to get three losses on the season and Washington, after, so after, from after, last year. after last year, just fizzles away very quietly. Well, and this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys have. What are the big games you're looking for, and who do you think are going to win these games down below in the comments section? want to thank you guys for checking out the picks. If you're on YouTube, make sure to check out all our other segments this week. And if you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and Stitcher, Thank you guys for sticking around this complete. This is going to be a really long podcast. We had two segments almost go the distance yeah. for the 29 and a half. I think it's almost 30 minute um, limit we have on our DSL, our camera. But I want to thank you guys for sticking around for the whole podcast. A little house cle- cleaning. Screw that. Housekeeping. <laughs> That's what I meant to say here at the end of the podcast. First off, patreon.com backslash most available podcast. You want to help out the channel? More so than watching, more so than liking and subscribing and sharing. Go ahead, check out Patreon.com, that link down below in the description. Then also, if you could, please go to iTunes. Give us that five-star rating that we oh so want. It would mean the world to us. The Primetime Podcast, the Onside Kick, the Fast Break, the Rick and Johnny Podcast. Go on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. want to thank you for listening on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher. Thank you guys for everything, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.